Welcome to the Blue Collar Barbarians podcast brought to you by the Blue Collar Barbarians Network. And we got a good one for you today. My man, Jesse Parman with Parman Exterior, former operator, now operator as in owner operator of his own company. But before we dive into this gold mine, which I assure you it's going to be a gold mine, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into this, I want to take a second to talk about the giveaways. We have lots of stuff. This right here is a ridge belt, okay? This little orange thing, yep, that's safety for you. High-vis, low-drag belt. Lightweight, everything. I got two of these to give away. I got all sorts of gear. I got Gerber knives. I got hats. I got swag from Tier 1 Kinetics. I'm working on some stuff from Heatwave. We got lots in the works. All we ask comment, engage on the show, go ahead and follow our pages, both on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you do the thing. Okay. Subscribe, any of that, anything that you can do to get notified. What we are going to do is we're going to build a page on the website that you can go and it will capture all the information for you. One stop, one click, and you'll be entered to win. That being said, we have brought a lot of very cool people into the mix to bring you guys these giveaways to give back and to provide value. That is what this is about. We're not asking for anything other than to share and help your homies grow as they go. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening to our show and consuming thus far and pay extra special attention because we got lots of cool stuff coming your way to include these little Ridge belts. Thank you to Ridge Belts for that. Shout out to them. We really appreciate it. We even got some holster gators. But we're not here to talk about giveaways forever. So we're going to dive right in to this very peculiar show. My man, Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you, my man. Good yes. to see you. Good to see you, too. Yeah. I appreciate you taking your time to be with us this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to come do it. Uh, a little bit closer to the mic. A little bit right here. Yep. Yeah. Happy to be here and uh, excited to get in some good content today. Yeah, yeah, it should be good. Now, what uh, a lot of people don't know is we've worked together on uh, Hoffman job sites and some other companies, and uh, you're a bit of a barbarian yourself. I, I can be a bit uh, assertive at times, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, an unruly character, guys. Uh, he's got one of the biggest hearts um, of people I've ever met. Uh, he very much cares Um Guys like us, we typically, we wear our emotions on our sleeve that we're call that, uh, I call it a, a gift, but it's also sometimes a curse at the same time. Would you agree? I would agree. Uh, it's, uh, pretty easy to see how I'm feeling about most situations, uh, working on that, hiding that a little bit more these days, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, easy to tell where our emotions at guys yeah. like us. Yeah. Well, what I will say is that I think it's a talent for you, man. Uh, I would never want to see you change. I think it's uh, a lot of people maybe don't understand passion or charisma, but I, I think it's like a strong suit to you. And I also think that these little tiny difference difference makers are the things that one, they make us unique, right? Unique and in individuals, but two, it is a gift. It's that it's that captivating thing that gives you the opportunity to tell your story. It gives you the opportunity to lead. It gives you the opportunity to become um, that phoenix, if you will, right? That's rose from what you've been through to who you are now. But yeah. it's a captivating way to be able to display it. So, 
don't take it as a weakness. I certainly don't. I see it as a strength of yours, if anything. Roger. That being said, though, let's dive in. Tell us about you. The audience, I know a little bit about you, but let's talk, let's talk to what, who is Jesse? All right. Uh, well, uh, my name is Jesse Parman. Um, grew up Northwest native, uh, Mount Hood native, actually. Mount Hood. Yeah. That's my back. Uh, you know, uh, went to your standard high school experience, you know, uh, one of four kids, mom, dad, still together, you know, great upbringing from them. That's incredible. Know? Yeah. And, uh, after high school, you know, uh, I wrestled, I wrestled a long time. So it'd be elementary school, high school, oh. and then after high school. And that was kind of my identity, you know, in the beginning of my very early teen days. And, uh, when that kind of ended, um, I was going to school at Oregon State University and Lynn Benton, like a dual dual school program, you know, down there studying uh, biology. And I got involved with uh, Corvallis Fire and Rescue. Oh. And I applied and actually got offered a live-in resident volunteer program position, which is really kind of a position that's streamlined to get you into a career position. Um, you live and work full-time. Uh, for the department uh, with a career crew, uh, a little bit more intensive than some of the other volunteer programs that guys do, which, you know, still very admirable, obviously, but these this position was for these young guys who were really just hard-charging and ready to get in there and learn some things, you know, yes. from these professionals, and uh, that was a phenomenal experience. Um, had some great, great leadership in that department. Um and learned a lot from those guys. So uh, let's uh, let's take that back just a step. That was, um, first of all, thank you for the uh, for serving, and not uh, you are a veteran. We'll get to that in just a second. But uh, thank you for caring about your community from a young age. I think that's really admirable to be able to step into a position to volunteer and to take things on. That's incredible. Um, but would you say so? With you, you said wrestling was your identity. I want to touch on that for just half a second because uh, football was me, mm-hmm. and I also, believe it or not, went to Lynn Benton. I finished high school at Lynn Benton Community All right, College, man. so I grew up in Halsey. <laughs> okay, that's yeah, 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 that's where I'm from. So that being said, uh, wrestling, those guys, that's grit right out of the gate. That's tenacity. That's tough. That's torture tests. That's discipline. That's physical fitness there's a combination of things that i would say go go with that um would you say that that is what made you not afraid of hard work obviously you had a great role model as a father and stuff too but would you say is that where you learned a little bit of your edge uh yeah you know i had a pretty good model from uh, the men in my family and the women hardworking blue collar family um no no quit in them just grinding and then my dad got me into wrestling he wrestled and and at a young age, you know, I, I wanted to quit just like every other kid, you know, you know, nine, 10 years old starts wrestling and it's real hard. You're getting beat up all of a sudden. And you're like, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I like this dad, you know, yeah. but I stuck with it and, uh, forced yes, adversity. That's yes, what that is. absolutely. Forced adversity. Uh, you know, he had the wheels, he dropped me off and I, I didn't have any wheels to leave. So that's where I was going to be at the practice room. Um, and that carried into firefighting, I'm sure then like with oh, yeah. going to that extreme yeah. volunteer position. Uh, yeah. And you know, wrestling set the tone for, um, enduring, enduring, uh, uncomfortable situations and, uh, mental challenges against yourself, against an opponent, 
it's a fantastic sport that I believe has such positive implications on each individual who partakes in its life because it builds values that carry way, way beyond the sport. Um, when life gets hard, you know, you just keep grinding, you know, and that was just a, a base right from the beginning, from the beginning, you know, and, you know, you, you're at practice, you know, you got a problem with somebody, you know, you're not getting long, you're tired, you get beat up a little bit, you know, there might, there might be a headbutt to the nose and the coach might say, take care of it boys, you know, yeah. and, uh, handle your business right and 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 shake hands and you certainly learned how to do that that's yeah. for sure yes so then you got into this aggressive fire uh program a volunteer right. nonetheless right. but still this aggressive fire program down in corvallis um were you wrestling while you were doing that uh for the school or uh no i was no longer wrestling um if there was like a amateur athletic union which is kind of like a the amateur league for wrestling, uh, you know, you could sign up and wrestle. And I did a couple of those tournaments over the nice. years. Uh, wrestled down to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Wrestled a guy from Nebraska. We were in the, the winning bracket. And and uh, I think I was wrestling 152 at the time, a little heavier now. Uh, <laughs> that guy was like four foot nothing. So at 152, four foot nothing, his back was about as wide as his table. And he had corn husks on a singlet. I couldn't really move him around too much, but uh, we had a good bout. I ended up losing that one, coming back up the Constellation for uh, third in that. So that was a good tournament. That was a national tournament. And, you know, wrestling, you know, I, I have accolades, and but mostly, I mean, I'm, I just value what it gave me as for character and core. And uh, just like all these organizations that we're going to discuss in these experiences, the military, the fire service, big companies, there's something to take from all of these things. Absolutely. Right? At all times. Uh, I look at every opportunity as I do anything, as I sit here with you guys today, you know, in this podcast and honored to be here and it's great to be here. I'm drawing, I'm, I'm analyzing, I'm watching, I'm observing and seeing what you guys are doing to be successful. And uh, I love it. I just eat it all up. Anything yeah. I can do to absorb more information, I love. So to be moving forward, uh, I was carrying along with the fire thing. It got some great, I got, I got to be in some live fire situations, uh, house fires. Um, got to see paramedics perform at a high level. Uh, got to see the connection to patient, to career professional, um, and be down on that level of the human condition of seeing people in their worst day and being there to comfort them. And obviously providing your technical skill set to take care of their health, but more of the compassion component is what I really saw. I was really drawn to that uh, medicine and emergency medicine in particular. Um, so I, that was my next identity latch, you know. So, so I, that set like mm -hmm. you on a path kind of. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you started with wrestling and you took that and pretty much it gave you a core to character, if you will. Right. And then, um, then you moved into the fire department and you got to, that must have been invigorating for you with yeah. your personality, especially, yeah. right? Like you got to actually hands-on help or yeah. and see, you know, things you know, look, transpire. Yeah. Right? Looking back 2020, you know, I'm just a young kid, you know, don't know nothing, you know, and, uh, I really, and I was humbled by leadership there a few times. Uh, I had some, some great conversations with like, Hey, young man, like, you're not quite there yet, you know, uh, and that was great. Hey, we it was a great learning it. experience, and those are great conversations, and leadership handled it really well. Um, really built my character there as well. And uh, 
so I was continuing along with that, going to school, and I was kind of like, you know what, I, I uh, want to do more. So I joined the U.S. Navy and uh, did short stint in the Navy as a corpsman, uh, which in the Navy, that's a medic, and it can range from being a, a dental assistant to fighting with the Marine Corps, you know. Mm-hmm. There's lots of ranges of that. Um, and that's a longer story for another time, but uh, got out of the Navy, and I will say the military was like, uh, I was like, oh, Yep. I identify like this is, this is my culture. You know, a lot of the structure of it, a lot of the hardness of it, a lot of the, the patriotism, the passion, uh, the different walks of life. It was a fantastic experience. Um, and I'll carry that with me forever. Uh, after the military, I thought I wanted to reenlist actually. So I was actually prepping to get a higher level of medical certification because I wanted to pursue some type of instructor position in the military. And, uh, that's when my first son came along, you know, and as life goes, uh, and I had, I had, uh, quite a bit of, uh, construction experience already, just being a family past trade. My dad, my grandpa was a logger for 30 years, you know, and et cetera, running machinery. You know, I was up on machines on the ranch, you know, at a young age, you know, driving truck at 11 years old, 12 years old, you know, uh, you know, helping grease machinery, all that stuff. And so it was just kind of a natural uh, step into, hey, you know, uh, I'm becoming a father, which is a big deal. It's uh, the best job. I will say it is the best job, but it is the hardest job, and it is an important job. And so at that point in time, my personal dreams and goals became a little bit different. You know, uh, it was like it's time to start providing and maintaining a skill set that is going to support uh, my family. Awesome. Yeah. So after that, you know, we got over a decade in the trades and kind of catches up uh, uh, up to where we are right now. You know, yeah. a lot of experiences in between that time, obviously. And uh, we got a short window here, so I want to keep moving forward, brother. Yeah, no, no problem. So with that, uh, one thing I would like to talk about for – uh, today is Veterans Day, the the day that we're recording this. This is Veterans Day. I want to, one, say thank you for your service personally. Like, I really appreciate it genuinely. I know that we hear that a lot, but, I mean, authentically speaking, I want you to know that um, as a veteran myself also, like, I genuinely appreciate what you've, what you've done, and I understand the cost that that's come with um, probably to your life that a lot of things that people don't and never could quite understand but I would also like to thank the other men and women out there that are currently serving or that have served. Um, I think it's really uh, important to take just a second from our show and just say, hey, we see you. Um, thank you for what you do. Thank you for your sacrifices. Thank you for your time. I don't care about why you're serving. What I care is that you've t- you've taken that oath and that you are. This is what keeps us free. This is what makes America, America. And I'm sure damn proud of the red, white, and blue, I still get choked up about that. So to our veterans out there, our men and women in service, thank you. To our first responders that are out there, thank you. To our law enforcement officers, thank you. Um, I just, I want to digress from that, but I do, I just, I want to say thank you. I want to echo thank you for what you have done. And um, that being said, so let's move into coming up in the trades, right? So we, we kind of covered your character. You come from this background, blue collar is what you know. You had a great uh, example in the home life. Um, congratulations on your mom and dad still being together. That's incredible. And I think it uh, that will speak for you going forward with 
your wife and and that's great for your kids to also get to see that's just incredible in today's society um my mom passed away in 2008 i wish more than anything i could have the uh that that relationship so um let's talk about like so you go in and you're a corpsman and i was a marine so i do understand what corpsmen do there is quite the contrasts like you said on green side and blue side and the differences there but um you you get essentially he's got for the ladies and gentlemen in the audience he's been exposed to different things and trauma and just chaos at its finest and having to make decisions uh at a radical speed that have permanent implications if you will and he's got put under high stress and high intensity um very time driven very 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 time sensitive positions that you get to be put in and we don't need to cover all those experiences but let's let's parlay like so because i know for me transitioning out was like a bit of a shock to come back to dealing with uh 18 year old kids and i was only 22 23 right but to come back and deal with 18 year old kids that are worried about the temperature of their coffee and what's drawn in it with creamer to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. being uh right. when i was 19 i was yeah. charging into battle yeah. with kids underneath of me and Yo, what are you complaining about yeah you don't know nothing you know and then yeah. not trying to have yeah. that chip on your shoulder because sure. it's not it's nobody's fault it's just a thing right um so what's coming up in the trades like as a veteran <clears throat> Uh, coming up in the trades, um, I actually had the experience to work with a buddy of mine, um, Marine as well, uh, owned a small business, uh, concrete pumping business. He still does, and he's uh, doing really well for himself these days. But uh, So he brought me along and taught me concrete pumping uh, and not the high-level commercial machinery that we see on our job sites, the, the rough and tough and hard again uh line pump which is in short a metal threaded covered in rubber from two and a half to five inch steel bound hose that is full of concrete (laughs) and uh being pumped by a trailer mounted pump essentially and you as the operator are dragging that concrete hose around and uh placing the concrete for the finishers um extremely physical job uh, and again, I come from a physical background and when I first started, I was like, Whoa, all right, check that, uh, that that's difficult. Uh, and he kind of chuckled and, and, uh, but he knew, he knew I was no stranger to that. So we, we kept at it and my body adjusted as it always does at a young age and, uh, did that for some years and then went, went into the union, um, trades as a boom pump operator um and got the opportunity to work on tons of high rises uh kind of uh, fell into the specialty of working with the high rise pumping which is where you're vertically moving concrete up to 30 40 stories in the air you know and and helping uh build these levels of these huge huge structures you know when people are sleeping that's when we're working, you know, we, we're getting up at midnight, 2 a.m., 1 a.m. at the at the yard, getting our trucks fired up, doing our, you know, because we're all CDL licensed and all these certifications, you know, getting everything checked out, checked off. Pretty common procedure for me uh, in every kind of experience I've done. So long hours, though. Um, and, you know, you're, look, you're looking at anywhere from a eight-hour day to a 18-hour day. And it's kind of an unknown because it's a 
a chemical based or timestamp based type of trade. Um, and there's a lot of factors that fall into it, just like many things in the commercial trades and in the union trades. Um, so really dug in there, worked a lot. Um, and then I branched off and jumped into excavating, uh, Bell and Tower, Tower Crane, uh, working with a lot of people we both know, working with you. Um, and then I kind of found a, I kind of found a niche in that I really enjoyed um, the material logistics, you know, because as machine operators, you know, we, we move material, you know. Yes. Uh, so I had the opportunity to work on the ground level because of being a bellman, which is uh, the person who communicates with the crane uh, and will place uh, material loads where the crane operator oftentimes cannot see them through communication. Um, so it's an important position to work closely with that other operator. Um, and uh, really proud of those times. Those were fun um, and hard and technical. Um, and uh, But moving forward, uh, last project I was on, I had the opportunity to work pretty closely with one of the project managers, which a project manager pretty much handles the whole job uh, from a organization standpoint. Um, so I was, again just being a sponge, you know, uh, trying to draw as much information from him as I could because the seed in my mind of branching off was growing and the desire to branch off and to do my own thing was growing. Um, I will say, you know, on a personal level, uh, I'm a father of three children and married to that. For my family, the... The trades are very demanding, um, and these multi-billion-dollar projects are very demanding. Um, and I've given a lot of my time to demands of the work field over my life and uh, throughout the course. But I really decided to step into a higher level of priority for my family, and I realized with my children's needs. And what I wanted for my family was autonomy and freedom to be there for my children, not be on a job site at 9 p.m. and somebody's sick and they got to go to the ER and I can't make it, you know. And my hat's off to all the men and women who are in the trades doing that. And I know how difficult that is on your family. And I know it works for some of your families and, and that's great. And that's great. Um, but in my particular case, that wasn't going to work anymore for me. And on a real level, it really wasn't going to work for my family, you know. Right. And I choose my family every time. Every time. So. Yeah, as you should. Yeah. As you should. So uh, what I want to do is just, uh, the pause isn't the right word, but I just want to recapture sure. this for, for the audience really quick. So he came out of the military, had a, had a kid, had your first child, mm -hmm. and then he jumped right into what he knows, gritty, hard work and found your identity yet again and submersing yourself in hard which that speaks to your character right like just that the more you suffer sometimes the more you truly live is that's my own personal opinion and that's the more I appreciate life so I I personally understand where that comes from it's this desire to know what will break you and what can't break you especially when you are disconnected from a tribe, essentially an organization that mm -hmm. everybody is battle. Everybody is ready to go. And the ones that aren't cut are out. 
right? Like right. the ones that don't make it. People know who you are. You're not hiding from anybody with your Tony Hawk skateboard, <laughs> skating under the red. You're not. Everybody knows that you're a slob. But so you come from that. You get into this grittiness. You work your way through that. And then you just constantly just push the envelope a little bit. That's what you're saying but not saying. is that You always just found a way to edge it just a little bit more, just a little bit more next level. And that carried from wrestling. Like, right. If you go back to what we talked about earlier, you got into wrestling and then you went into the fire and then from fire, you went into like, what's the next step? Like in the EMT world of, okay, now I'm in the military doing this. And then from the military, okay, maybe I'm not doing medical stuff anymore because life demands, I need to be able to pay for my kids, but mm -hmm. I can push myself this way. This is a new kind of hard to me. Right. Sure. And then you go work your way up and He's being uh, very humble when he talks about the things. Jesse's got a great reputation, uh, reputation around town for pumping concrete. He's one of the best hands that there was. Ran all sorts of different rigs, all sorts of different sizes, built all sorts of different buildings, pumped millions and millions and millions and millions of yards of mud to build the, the Portland skyscraper. Liquid gold. Liquid gold, he calls <laughs> it. It fed his family, that's for sure. That's right. Uh, and then he got bored with that and just decided to pursue more with that. And he got into the other side of the union operating and took on a new challenge, becoming Bell and Cranes, running man material lifts and Alamax and forklifts. And this guy is one of the most talented forklift operators I've ever worked with. Uh, he can do a lot with it. It's uh, He takes uh, challenges and turns it into a surgical thing, right? Like, so you find a way to do something and you put your own little twist on it. How can I do this better? How can I do this the best? And it's not against uh, what might be perceived as try to be better than other people. It's just better than you were yesterday. It's just better than you. That's all it really comes down to, which could be misunderstood. But uh, uh, you became the best at that. And you got to a point where you realized that that was becoming detrimental to the most important thing to you, which is your family. And just to, just to Take a step here for our audience because a lot of our audience listens to this while they're actually working, which I think is cool. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, the awareness that he had to be able to look and evaluate on the fly that, like, this is going to either cost me, do I want to make money or do I want to have a family? Do I want to have a wife and kids or do I want to pursue 100%. wealth through working through another company building somebody else's dream the, the awareness that you have there is incredible man so congratulations to you for and mad props and respect to being able to have that conversation because that's not an easy conversation to have I mean you have talked offline before but like you know one of the biggest holdups in transitioning careers a lot of the time is money right like for me I have four kids as well I'm married as well I got a couple of dogs we got a kitten now yeah I know I'm getting soft with my old age <laughs> right letting the kids experience things but That's uh right. you start to evaluate things and you realize like man like because of the way I set my life up now I've put myself in a position where I have to make x to float or at least I perceive that I have to make x to float right so for you to be able to make the jump which we're about to get into um and this is where it's really going to get good is it's incredible, man. Um, just the level of self-awareness and risk assessment that comes with that. Um, I just, I want to commend you for what you've done, um, you know, as a peer, uh, and somebody that's watched you. And one of the things that I really wanted to get into on this, um, and I'm going to, we won't spend a ton of time on this, but let's talk for a second. Um, adverse leadership. Right. This is a very oh, yeah. important thing. So for our guys that are listening, sometimes uh, w when we're on the job site, we have leaders that are incompetent 
flat out. Sometimes that's just a thing. Or we have leaders that are uh, less uh, less able than you are, right? They're less capable. And when I met Jesse, um, it wasn't that he was a problem child, but people perceived him as a problem because of their lack of ability to be able to communicate, to be honest with you, is what it, I, I discovered in finding that. And um, and hearing your story, that makes sense, more sense because I didn't know all your story before this, but it makes more sense the adversity that you've been through. It just gives you a callus, right, on your mind and on your hands, it, but it gives mm-hmm. you a callus to life. And what I will say is this, is that um, for those of you listening, if you're in a position where you get thrown into a fire or into some sort of leadership position that um, might not be favorable to the people around you, is you need to just take a second to assess, right? And that's a big, big thing is you have to be able to look at something and not only let go of your ego, but you need to learn how to talk to people. Don't approach everybody like you know everything about them. Don't approach everybody with some bias because that's what you've been told, that they are this or they are that way. Give everybody around you a chance. Let them bury themselves. This is a big piece of advice for you guys that are especially getting ready to try to take on lead roles or get into a foreman position or a general foreman or a field superintendent if you're trying to make those jumps. Um, I I really want to highlight that. your communication skills vary on who you talk to because you could read the room and mine do the same. I'm very observant. That's why how I can say that, right? We've never had that conversation, but it's something I know. And I want to talk about like, how do you overcome adverse leadership? Now we learn this in the military because you get sure shit sandwiches more than you don't, but yeah, life in general. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah. So how, how would you say, what was, Give me some gold here. What's what's a piece of advice you, you would give somebody going through it right now in, in this adverse leadership time before we dump into now how you've accelerated that? But what's something that you would give somebody going in the trades right now that's maybe on the fence? Like, I'd say I'd say this, uh, and I mean, leadership is a career in its own. I will say that. Um, so having bad leaders is only a fault of their leadership um, for not giving them the proper training to be a leader. Uh, You can spend your entire life learning about leadership and still maybe not achieve uh, the full scope of what that is. There's been some amazing leaders that have come and will come. Um, So I've had, you know, middle level leadership and upper leadership that I've analyzed and I've been highly critical of them and I'm sure a lot of these tradesmen out there are as well you it's easy to be highly critical of the mistakes they're making and the things you see objectively from your position if you feel first and foremost if you feel that you have bad leadership the first thing you need to do is take accountability for yourself and what you're doing uh you're leading yourself first of all you are a leader uh even to the guy sweeping the floors right now. You are a leader of those floors and you're a leader of your position and you're a leader of how you conduct yourself at any professional level. Um, I think it's easy when you're seeing leadership that feels like it's lacking to blame them, to have a negative opinion of them, to analyze them and And this is going to be kind of a surprising response to maybe to you, Jonathan, but like 
I really don't fault the, those individuals anymore for being poor leaders. I believe that they weren't given the correct opportunity to be trained uh, by their leadership. If you're at the top, though, you are responsible, you know, uh, for everybody under you, every man under you, every woman under you. So when I encounter poor leadership that's now. That's called taking ownership, by yes, the way. Yes, extreme ownership. Yep. Um, when I encounter, even today, you know, and I, I still encounter and, and see leadership flaws in people as they're leading their crews or men or companies, you know, everywhere I go, I'm watching leadership and what they're doing. And um, for the people, for the, the workers, the, the lower level employees or the entry level employees, or even the journeyman carpenter, the journeyman operator, you, you know, you're vested, you, you've been trained, you know what you're doing. Worry about, worry about what you're doing, you know, control what you can control um, and take some pride in that. Uh, know your work is good. Know you're, you're squared away. And when leadership makes a decision that you think affects you and maybe cause you to have to do more, great. They got to pay you more now, you know. Uh, so change your mindset from like I'm being poorly led to I'm leading myself and I'm going to take pride in that. And I'm going to work within the confines of what leadership is in place right now. And I'm going to make a plan if you do not like it, make a plan for exit. There you go. That's it. Make there a move. And I like what you just said there about the extreme ownership piece, especially. But um, um, the wisdom in that is is beyond your years, dude. Uh, you're right. You have to, one, understand that they probably weren't given the right tools. Uh, you see that, especially in the military. Uh, I had shitty leadership. My seniors were trash and... I could blame them for the way that it was, or I could take accountability and try to be better. Now, at a younger age, I didn't understand that, and I blamed, right? I sure. can say that. I blamed. I sure. took the excuse route. I was weak. But in my age now, when I look at, like, if I have a communication failure, say, with my wife, like, that's on me, right? Like, at the end of the day, that's on me to figure out how to effectively communicate with her in a way that maybe she understands better to take ownership of like maybe the way my actions are perceived. Right. Um, and this is, this is just a different facet of leadership on the home front, right? On the job site, my job, like in the case of us is to evaluate you on the fly. And it's one, it's not to find a way to terminate you, but to find a way to work with you, to find a way to set you up for success. Mm -hmm. Right. That was my goal when I met you was how can I help set him up to be the most successful right? And that's what matters. And now you could all, that being said, we're all people like, hold on audience. Yes. <laughs> we're all people. We all have egos. That ego is the death of us all, right? We all have our prejudgments. We all have our moments of weakness where we complain and we bitch about people and we, that's normal. You're going to go through that. You're going to experience it. It's going to happen to you. You're going to do it about other people. The sooner you get rid of that about you, the faster you'll grow, the sooner you'll be able to climb the ladder. That's a huge thing. But what I'll digress from this because what I want to get into is how you were able to take essentially being handed just incredibly, I won't say difficult, but stressful situations that then started to impact your home front, essentially, mm. and, and your, and your um, quality of life, if for lack of a better phrase. But yeah. your quality of life was starting to be impacted by other people. And because you let it, you internalized it, right? And now you took that and what you've done is created a company. 
And I want you to talk about being able to parlay fear. Okay. Because like, let's get into what you do now. Let's get into that. Right. But this is the leadership piece I wanted to touch on in that is because I wanted to stress to our audience, which is why I asked you to to cover that is because I wanted to stress to these guys that and qualify you in the sense that you're able to take adversity and not let it be period the end. Right. That's a big thing, man. Like a lot of people miss that. Like we go through something that's hard and we take it and we make it the end. I'm going through some stuff right now in, in life that would to the older version of me be period the end. Oh my God. OMG. What am I going to do? Right. Mm -hmm. So why me? Why me? Why me? Why me? Mm -hmm. But you were able to take why me and turn it into this is me. Right. A hundred percent. So what's that look like? Uh, Life is going to bring challenges every single day. Uh, You need to wake up ready to be in the fight. Um, You don't have to have it's attitude. And you know, those posters on the wall in high school and in the break room at your office, you know, the discipline attitude is everything as cheesy as this sound. It's the truth. It, uh, is the truth. it is the truth. Um, so first and foremost is attitude. You know, uh, every single day I function as a small contractor. I know that I'll make a plan and it's not going to go as planned. I know that I know that there's so many uncontrollable factors throughout the day, uh, that are going to happen. Uh, even if it's as simple as, Hey, we just need to do X to achieve Y and that's it. And we'll make money. The path to X to Y is not a straight line and it never will be. And the sooner you accept that, the better. Mm -hmm. Um, I welcome challenges at this point in time because it's only continuing to develop me, develop my character, develop my faith, develop everything in me. So adversity is your friend. Adversity is your teacher. And it's not something you should quit and cut bait on. It's something you should analyze and dive into. I would say embrace. Absolutely. Embrace it, you know. Um, You know, momentum and motivation, like when you, you know, I want to get into that in a minute, motivation versus discipline. But uh, about, yeah, about having difficult times in your daily life, marriage, family death, you know, the list goes on trauma, you know, childhood trauma, substance abuse, the list goes on. And a lot of tradesmen are tradesmen are exposed to those kind of experiences, you know, and have come from various walks of life. Um, they're great people, but they've experienced some hard things. And, they're on these high-pressure, high-functioning job sites trying to perform all these things and dealing with leadership that maybe, and this is what typically happens with leadership, somebody's pretty good at what they do uh, as far as their trade. Um, They build relationships with uh, their leadership, and with those relationships and them performing at a high level in their field, they are promoted. Uh, for what they're able to do. And leadership typically is giving them the promotion because they feel that through their relationship, they can count on this guy to perform work and manage a crew. Now, the missing factor here oftentimes is that sometimes people are not ready and you'll never be ready to be in that leadership position. And you don't have to be ready. 
and that's okay. I just want to say that you don't have to be ready. There's no, I'm ready. Uh, starting a business, there's no perfect time. You just got to jump in. You're going to learn by trial through fire. You know, everybody has different setups where maybe they have an advantage in some different way, and that's fantastic. But when I started my company, I dove. I knew I know zero on the business end. I know trade, right? So I know how to pour concrete. I know how to finish concrete. I know how to dig holes. I know how to read layout. All these different things. We get into that. That it's not really important to the point. Is but I know zero about accounting. When I jump in, I know zero. How do you give a bid? You know, uh, how do you break up the job? How are you selling the jobs? Are you selling them as time and materials? Are you selling them as a hard bid? What are these things? Uh, what's business and ordinance tax? What's sales tax reporting like? All these things, you know, and you soon find out, whoa, entrepreneurship is hard. And that's why it's a small percentage of this country that is in, in that position. And they have a saying, like, if you can make it one one year, you might make it three, you know. And if you make it two, you might make it five, you know. Yeah. And it's never over, you know. It can it can end at any time being a small business. You can be, your business can fail through, through various ways, you know. Economy, like, you know, I don't want to touch on it too much. COVID, you know, it crushed a lot of small businesses that have been around for 30 40, 50 years. Yep. And it's 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 a tragic story. But those individuals that built those companies, those types of people, they started new companies. And they said, what's next? Or they retired. Or they retired. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Or they, they handed off their, their, you know, remaining resources to a selected individual who will carry them. Or they sold their businesses. And I'll say that. Don't ever dissolve your business. Sell it. If you have something valuable, sell what you have, you know if you're going to do something else. Um, staying on point on leadership, Jonathan, it's it's a extremely fascinating field to me, um, and I love leadership. Um, so if you have poor leadership, first, first things first, take accountability for yourself. Um, and then you talked about egos, and I wanted to touch on that. Uh, there's this thing called disarming egos. Um, when you're dealing with somebody who is under stress and maybe their crew feels they are not performing at the level that they should be as a leader, they are going to be defensive in their ego and their pride is on high alert. So if you go to give them advice or give your opinion about maybe doing something more productively, that's just going to, that's just going to bounce off them and you're probably going to get a defensive response from them. So the first thing I would recommend if you want to develop a relationship with your leader who you think is doing a poor job or has some deficits is would be to empathize with them first and foremost. Be like, you know, hey, boss, you know, whatever, Bill, Mike, Jenny, whatever your name may be, you know, do you got time for a 10-minute conversation at the end of the day? Sure. Everybody's going to say yes to that, right? And they don't know. They, they figure you're going to complain about something. That's That's what they're prepping for, right? And they got all this stuff on their plate, and they're under pressure, and 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 there's all these uncontrollable factor, uncontrollable factors, and they're stressed, right? And so you go to have this conversation, and what I would recommend, and what I've done with people is like, hey, I, I really appreciate how hard you're working. I want to say that first and foremost, boss. Like, I, it's a tough job. How how are you doing? How's your stress level? You know, 
how's things at home, you know, with this high-level commitment position you're in? And it's going to disarm them immediately, and they're going to be like, oh, well, you know, yeah, it is, it is pretty stressful. Or, or, I'm doing okay, but hey, I really appreciate you actually caring about your leader and what's going on with me. And that's going to open the door for conversation to build trust. When you build trust with somebody, you can influence them. Yes, but you need to be open to the criticism that might come from them as well. Right. Correct? Correct. Because you are, when you're building Correct. trust, you're opening yourself up yeah. to so feedback. Your ego, being the conversation opener, also needs to be disarmed. Yes. Put it away. It's not, it doesn't need to be there. Uh, receive critical advice humbly and respectfully, at least on a visual level. To continue to build that relationship. Uh, I believe I was listening to one of your other podcasts. You said, uh, your network is your net worth. And I, I wrote it down. And uh, I often do that when I, when I hear some other gold. <laughs> and I started to analyze why I'm able to maintain uh, the income I was making in the union, which in the union trades, we make a pretty decent income, you know. Right. Um. And that's a big thing, a big challenge factor going on on your own. Can I, can I, when you have financial commitments, you own a home, you got vehicles, you have a family, those are big commitments. And that's, it, it is in fact what does stop a lot of men and women from making the jump. The system is not designed, and I repeat, the system is not designed for you to break away on your own. No, it's they not. They do not want you to. No, yeah. you're designed to work 40 hours to 100%. 60 hours a week to feed 100%. the man and to do this and that. Mm -hmm. Um for time's sake, we'll stay away yeah, from yeah, that that's conversation. A, that's another, but another yeah, for later. <laughs> no, it's not. The system is not made for you to succeed, and you have to become what we talked about in a, a previous episode is the one percent. Mm -hmm. You have to become. You have to have this level of belief in not only your abilities and your capabilities, but in what you're about to embark on. You have to understand that not only can I do this, but I'm going to. Like, I am Roger going that. to do this. Not, I might, or I wish I could, or everybody wishes they could. Everybody wishes that they could. But that's the difference between you and them. I don't wish anymore. I work. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm mm -hmm. hungry. I'm not going to starve. I'm going to eat. That's right. That's the difference. That's right. And that's a mentality switch that you have to have. But to, because on, on time's sake here, the, the criticism part is important, right? Like, I love what you said about disabling your ego because you do have to disarm is the word you use, but I'm going to say disabling it because when I come to the table to talk to somebody, I might know, like, I'm ready to eat. I'm a shark, boys, oh, yeah. and I smell blood in the water, oh, yeah. but I can approach you like a lamb. Mm -hmm. I can approach you knowing that I'm a shark, knowing that I could eat your ass if I wanted to. I could eat you up, but I'm going to come at you in a way that's, Hey, how can I serve you? Absolutely. And how can I help you be better? How can I be better for you? How can I make myself more of a multi-tool for you? And, and Jesse, that's what you've done. And what the people don't understand is that you took adverse leadership, which is big. And for time's sake here, I'm speeding this up. You took adverse situations in your life and you created them into a ball that literally bounced upstairs. It did the impossible. 
you didn't let it be the reason that you were defeated. You took this and made it this. And then you took that and reconfigured this into that. And then that became this again in a different format, right? And you just continued to take one step after one step after one step after one step. And you know what? The world, it's heavy. Man, it gets tired. There's a lot of on my shoulders. There's a lot of financial pressure. My family's barking at me. This is going oh, yeah. on. My mind doesn't shut up, right? It's running. But you were able to take these things, this adversity, these things you didn't like, and recreate what is now who you are today, which is a leader, which is a man that's leading his family, which is a man that is achieving autonomy like he wanted, like he spoke about earlier in the show. And um, what you've done is you've set an example for me and for other men and women out there in the trades to say that, if you wake up, and yes, I am going to say wake up because most of you are asleep at the wheel. If you wake up and you decide you want it, today is day one. Today is D-Day. Now, right. you're not saying go quit your job. You're saying no. make rapid <laughs> decisions to work that direction. Take action today, not tomorrow. How can I get better? Well, I can go and ask for feedback, right? I can understand criticisms and take failure as feedback and take criticism as critiques and make little adjustments to make myself more marketable and to make myself more valuable and to put myself in a position to lead. Because once I can show that what I have inside of here is better and invaluable to you, then other people can then believe that too, right? I got to believe though, I got it. I'm ready to lead this. I'm ready yep. to rock this show. This is my moment. I got the microphone in front of me. I'm ready yep. to sing. You're doing it. I'm ready to go, right? And that's what you have to do, and that's what you did. But uh, one thing I want to do um, because of this show is one thing we really do. and Dude, and thank you so much for coming and sharing your story Absolutely. and your advice on that. That was incredible. But one, one of the things that we do on this show is we get into some Q and F, some frequently asked questions, right? And okay. I want to take a minute here to get into a few questions that I have for you that I think will provide value. All right. So getting into the frequently asked questions, and I'm sorry to accelerate this on you, but I like you're fit, you're spitting fire right now. So I want you to be able to answer. Sure. I think there's a lot of things that you can parlay to our audience that is going to be gold. Okay. So first of all, I got to ask, cause this is the staple question, right? Sure. This is the staple question for this it. show. What is a blue-collar barbarian to you? A blue-collar barbarian. Well, I'd say that is a man or woman who has characteristics of grit, aggressiveness, toughness, tenacity. Get out of my way. I'm going to get this done. Knuckle-draggers. Yeah. Salt of the earth. Just getting after it. I, in this show, you've seen me be very calm and relaxed, and that's the forum we're in. You might see me in the field in a different facet. I'm aggressive. I'm going to win. Yes. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to get up before the sun's up. I'm going to come home when the sun's down. Mm -hmm. When you're sleeping, I'm prepping. Yes. When you're not moving, I'm moving. Blue collar is the heartbeat of this country. And we need you to be aggressive 
and to continue to represent the values of what we built this thing on. Yeah, for real. You are important. You need to, you need to go down and grab that fire and release it. And it's okay to be intimidatingly aggressive in certain situations. It's okay to say, get out of the way. Let me show you how this is done. A blue-collar barbarian is a barbarian, but they can also be a weapon because they can be controlled in the sense of how they do things. They can control themselves in the sense of, like, they're adjustable, they're adaptable, they overcome. So, a blue, uh, you know, you can have a guy, I can be on site, and I can be lifting hundreds of pounds of concrete, and I can be screaming and yelling and getting it done, and then I can hold my baby boy when I get home and speak with a soft tone. Okay, it's there's a form there. You're a warrior. And when you go and you're out in the field or the battle, as I call it, you wake up and you prepare yourself for battle every day as a blue collar man or woman who needs to be aggressive, tenacious and just want it. You know, you, you, you're identified yourself by choosing to be in a field that is going to drive this country. So you need to take pride in that and get after it. You write a lot of your own trajectory. It's up to you. It's nobody's problem but yours. If you're a blue-collar barbarian, you're a knuckle-dragger, you're tough, show us. Show us what you got. And I know you guys are out there doing it right now. Right now, it's Saturday. A lot of people are staying home, waking up late, you know, and that's great. Good for them. Some of you are out there grinding right now, making that, that double bubble, as we call it, yeah. which is double overtime on some for some of you yeah. and some on just straight overtime making big money making moves for your life and getting after it Amen. question number two i got for you um what is missing in leadership today well i don't think we have time for that entire question um, on the podcast but i will say what is missing in leadership today <sighs> accountability uh, first and foremost, uh, leaders not taking ownership. That's probably the number one thing I see. Uh, leadership not taking ownership of their leadership. Um, not leading through service, but but dictating. That doesn't work, and it shows in these companies, in, in their manpower. They have a poor culture, and it is their fault. It is not their manpower. There's no such thing as bad teams there's only bad leaders you are responsible if you're in a leadership position i encourage you to dive into that you need to be researching developing yourself outside of your working hours to become a better leader for your team i agree with that 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. that's a great answer um what do you how about this <clears throat> how do you make yourself more marketable for leadership opportunities like, how would you make yourself stand out enough or how would you make it to where you're let, it's known you're ready for that next step? Influence, relationships, uh, the ability to influence people is what will drive you to be a leader or be selected as a leader. Um, if you have a hot head, you will not be selected in leadership by upper management because Leadership wants somebody who can control their emotions. If you're yelling at somebody, 
you have failed to communicate what you need them to do, that's on you. If you've lost control of your emotions and you're yelling at somebody, and I know we're in the blue car field, and, and it's appropriate at times, but you should never yell. And if you ever have to yell, that should be like a, wow, I got boss to that point. And that should really have a huge impact on that individual. Um, so making yourself more marketable as a leader or to be selected for leadership is one, relationships. And relationships is a start. Then trust, and with trust, you have influence on individuals. Um, if they know you can, they can count on you, you become more marketable. Uh, quietly performing, quiet professionals are oftentimes selected. Um, having a good attitude, again, leadership needs to have a diplomatic approach to everything. Uh, serving, so if you're a foreman, like a, like a your your standard you know jump into leadership. If you're a foreman, you need to show your general foreman, who usually is the next position up, and your superintendents that you take personal pride in your work, and that your crew respects you because they trust you. If your subordinates and your team trust you, you are marketable. If you don't have trust, you don't have anything. That's, that's it. That's great. That is great, actually. And then, then my last question for you, man. Uh, what's a couple books that you'd suggest that people might pick up? Because uh, feeding your brain is super important, right? What you consume is what you'll put out. So if you want to be accelerated, you want to make money, you want to learn to lead, you want, or you want more opportunity to lead to make more money or to learn to the skills that you might need to do your own thing, what are some books that people could read? Uh, I, I'm an avid reader and podcast listener. Um, I, I, this is usually my first recommendation to, to men and women is Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Uh, Jocko Willink is a retired Navy SEAL commander um, where he takes military situations and he translates them to civilian sector of how to lead. It is a breakdown of leadership. Um, highly recommend that book as a starter point. Um it, that was one of the first books I read when I was really diving in to wanting to be a leader of any capacity. Yeah, yeah that was a good book. I read that and mm -hmm. Dichotomy of Leadership. Any other books? You know, I, I listen to, I, I read the guys that maybe are a little intimidating, maybe that on a different level, their own type of barbarian. They are tenacious. They, take, they don't take no for an answer. They're winners. And uh, David Goggins, who's a big name out yeah. there. Uh, that was a great book, too. <laughs> and I, you know, <laughs> yeah, let's go, you know. Yeah, you know, who's going to carry the boats? Who's going to carry the boats? You know, <laughs> I love him. You know, uh, he, he's, he's just unapologetic. Stay unapologetic. <laughs> and that's a barbarian thing. Unapologetic. Be unapologetic. Own yourself in that way. Yeah. Uh, he has a couple books. Uh, just look them up and uh, never finish. Can't hurt me. And can't hurt me. I've read them both. Um, his story is a great, great story of adversity and what you can become through embracing your identity and those situations. I don't care how hard your childhood how, how hard your childhood was. Every I could throw a rock right now, probably hit the staff in this room with a rock, and I bet they've gone through something hard or they're going through something hard. 
the human condition is a struggle. You need to embrace that and, and get some grit and move forward. I never stop moving forward. I don't care if I move an inch today in some type of development. I'm going to develop in some way today. I'm going to get better in some way today. You know, and there's all, there's so many pieces of gold out there. If you're actually listening and paying, paying attention, pay attention or wake up, Yeah, wake up. This is your life. You get one shot at it. Okay. You want to leave a reputation, a legacy for your kids, for your dogs, whatever, you know, whatever you're into. Uh, I don't care whatever your path is, but if you want it, you're the only one that's going to show if you want it. That's it. You're yeah. the only one coming yeah. to save you, man. That's it. Nobody's come to save me, you know? And uh, so turn off the YouTube. Well, not right now, but turn off the, the social media. Turn off the TV. Gain some knowledge in your, in your resting hours. It's good for your mind. Develop yourself in the evenings. When everybody's asleep, sharpen your tools because the challenges are coming. When things are good and things are calm, the storm is coming. I advise you to be prepared for the next challenge because it will come. Be prepared. And with that, Jesse Parman, it has been my absolute pleasure to have you on this it's, show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we will definitely have you back. We'll probably dive into some more stuff. That was gold. I really think our audience is going to take a lot away from this. Uh, the people that listen to the show, they care about winning and they care about leading. So, one, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, and thank absolutely. you for coming to share your story. And uh, thank you for inspiring all of us through your actions, more importantly, to take the next step in life and to go bigger. Yeah, Go brother. bigger. So stay right. hard. Let's get it.